Joel and Ethan Cohen have been making offbeat, tightly scripted films about America for three decades. In 2013, their movie Inside Lewin Davis won awards and introduced the world to Oscar Isaac. With additional appearances by Adam Driver and Justin Timberlake, this film is a window into the folk music scene of 1960s New York, and guess who shows up at one point? Davis stumbles through the hard scrabble existence of a troubadour unwilling to compromise his art. Predictably, it is a struggle. Despite one notable scene, Davis doesn't seem to have much trouble with alcohol, but he does spend a lot of time in bars. So we mixed up a classic bar cocktail, the Whiskey Sour, and sat down to discuss this enigmatic entry into the Coen Brothers' oeuvre. Make one yourself and join us. It's time for episode 60 of Toasting the Classics, Inside Lewin Davis. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we take something that people call a classic. In this case, I'm not sure whether people call it a classic, but maybe. Any Chris, Coen Brothers movies is classic. Co-host Chris definitely says it's a classic. Yes, spoken like a man that hasn't watched Crime Wave yet. That's a true statement, I guess. I haven't watched that yet. I haven't watched Blood Simple. There's a couple. Anyway, yeah. Toasting the Classics is the podcast where we take something that people call a classic, drink a drink inspired by that classic. We're going to drink something that has that we've been inspired by this classic to drink, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to pass judgment on whether this movie in this case is still a classic so chris you picked you picked what are we uh what are we up to uh, i've got to backtrack real quick and just introduce myself well, as let's uh, chris Bragg, mm-hmm. along with joe iglesias hello and our charming and, and lugubrious host wait that's not how you say that lugubrious i think so lugubrious lugubrious yeah. host is that the same as unctuous i don't no, want to be no, unctuous. No, unctuous yeah is, Un- Unctuous? Unctuous, rather than unctuous. The pre All right, so what did we do? Chris, you're the picker. We watched a Coen Brothers movie. It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies okay. uh, called Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. And we'll I, never find out what the N stands for. Lou and Davis. Lou right? and Lou Davis. And Davis. Yes. I actually went into this thinking it was Llewellyn Davis. That was my first, and I'm not going to call that my biggest surprise of the show, but that was my big surprise was when I when I opened it up and I was like, oh, oh. Llewellyn, Llewellyn is just a name from Welsh history. It's going to be one of those podcasts, guys. I don't, know oh, yeah. if I, I don't know if I want to give this little piece up, but actually one of the main characters, Llewellyn is a big character from the Mabinogion. And so is Dylan. Oh, Dylan oh, ah. is a Welsh name okay. from the Mabinogion, which is which is obviously that's, a character in this that, movie. That's a fascinating connection. Yeah, actually. I think that's intentional, actually. Although he's credited as Young Bob. But yeah, Young Bob and famously is not of Welsh descent. Yes. He was trying to cover up his yeah. actual descent yeah. mm-hmm. as a folk here. I went to a hotel in Baltimore one time. I was at the desk checking in, and the lady in front of me, I looked and I thought, wow, that looks exactly like Debbie Harry. So the guy at the desk, she says, I'm trying to meet Mr. Zimmerman. And, I, and, and the guy was like, who? He's like, Robert Zimmerman. I'm trying to oh. meet him. I was like, Robert Zimmerman? I was like, I know that name for Zimmerman. She was like, I'm sorry, there's nobody here under that name. And the lady goes, all right, Bob Dylan. She's like, oh, he's in room you know. And I was like, was that actually Debbie Harry, or was it just somebody else who was... Like really Mr. pretty Tambourine in 1982 and was hanging out with Bob Dylan. I'm, that, su- I'm surprised how many of your weird life stories don't make it onto this podcast. It just did. It just made it onto the podcast. Yeah, but there's so many more. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. We have a lot of them. Probably mm-hmm. shared uh, stories like that. I really wish that this chair wasn't as creaky as it is. I have a feeling that that's what, like, chair creaking enthusiasts, like ASMR <laughs> chair creaking enthusiasts are going to tune in. Another we good can, episode we title. Can, we can, we can. It, sound, it makes it sound more old-timey. Yes. It does. An old-timey vibe for an old-timey movie. This movie was a period piece, and I found myself right. thinking that like that it kind of had to be. A lot of things in this movie I don't think would have worked outside of any other particular period. I think, this has always been my theory about the Coen brothers, is that that's what they do. Each of their movies is like a time and a place 
And it's just the time and the place are like one of the characters in the movie. Hudsucker Proxy is like Proxy is like 1950s New York like ad people, mm-hmm. and like Oh Brother Where Art Thou is like the Depression South. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think of their other movies with me, and it's you, you'll see what I'm talking. Yeah. Every single one is like a place and time. It's almost like yeah. they like just indulging in Americana and like mm-hmm. putting together this little thing. And it's always American. Right? I don't think they've ever done a film that took place outside. The I think you're States. right. That's a really interesting. Yeah. Raising line. Arizona, yeah, like, obviously is mm-hmm. a certain. That time was a and contemporary place. movie. Though. It was contemporary, yeah, yeah. but it, but. But now you look back and you're like, oh, this is 1980s. <laughs> it's something like No Country for Old Men. I don't know that you could pin down a specific year that it took place. Mm, it's just, well, it's a book. It's also a book. It's a, yeah. it's, it's one of the well, only things it's adapted from. But that well, leads into one of my biggest surprises because this is don't give based, it up yet. All right, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to give it up early because I've got. Speaking of time and place, there's a time and place for the biggest surprise. Oh, and it is in the last all right. ten minutes. I'll of hold the show. it. All right, all right. Make a little note. Put a pin in that, as they say these days. I will say this movie takes specifically place in uh, 1961, New York, okay. Greenwich Village. I mean, immediately opens before with, Bob oh, yeah. Dylan becomes famous, yeah. would be one of the things. Opens you with yes. that title card, even. It does. It okay. Do. Mm-hmm. All right. And the movie was filmed or, or released in late 2013. Yep. Must have just made it or just missed the Oscars. What's the cutoff? Uh, I think the cutoff is December somewhere. Yeah, that's what I thought. It premiered in Cannes in like that summer, but the U.S. official release, according to Wikipedia, an infallible source of information, yes. is December in 2013. Okay. You picked this, so this must have been special to you, Chris. It is. This is one of those movies I can come back and watch and find something new almost every time I watch it, huh. including a new theory on what the movie is about. You did have a. You did mention you had a conspiracy theory. I have multiple cons- conspiracy theories about that. <laughs> that it's all going on inside his head. That's why it's called Inside yes. Lewin Davis. No. Okay. That's the name of his album. Yeah. Uh, it's like the um. What's not eating the, raw? Not, not cornholio. What's the What's the ice cream trilogy? Cornetto. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the cornholio trilogy. He was about to have only had two movies so far, so there's no cornholio. No, trilogy. There's no cornholio trilogy. I can't wait. We, right. You might be able to take. We pregame just a just a tad. Inside Lewin Davis. It's a period piece. It takes place in the early '60s. It's about a. He's he's not a folk singer himself. No? He is. He is. He's okay. a folk singer. Yeah. Okay. He's a folk singer. Which yeah. was a like a big scene at the time. Yes. Like my dad had lots of folk singer albums, and mm-hmm. I actually really. Liked liked them when I was growing up. Things like the Smothers Brothers, I used to like mm-hmm. listening to them. They were also kind of comedy, I guess. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, definitely I comedy. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm they were almost like spoofing on the folk. I mean, this is 61, so it's yeah. before rock and roll. It's yeah. before a lot of the... Before like, the British Invasion. Yes. Before the British Invasion are almost exactly concurrent with mm-hmm. it. I mean, maybe like the next year is where the Beatles come mm-hmm. over, right? 62. Yeah. So this is a different New York. Mm-hmm. I was as a person who lives in New York now, I was watching this and I was thinking, I wish there was a scene like this. Because mm-hmm. the gaslight's gone. Does not exist anymore. Hmm. That's that's closed. There is a place called the Gaslight, but it took a little bit of internet research to realize that it was just trying to ride on the yeah. coattails. It's like if somebody had a CBGB. Yeah, it was funny today. to see people in lines outside the Gaslight waiting to hear folk music. Yeah, yeah. I was right. like, yeah. What's wouldn't that going be awesome? On? I would love that. I would go to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, this, yeah, this did feel like aggressively '60s. Not in the way that most people think of. Like most people think of like a Woodstock kind of thing when you say that. But like, well, I mean, and this also ties in like a big thing is that like Louis Davis himself, he's kind of a Holden Caulfield. He he's very much that same kind of protagonist. Catcher in the Rye was about like that same kind of era. It's about the same yeah. time period, yeah. basically. But I think he's got a mission in life, which is what's missing for Holden Caulfield. Holden Caulfield is just like rejecting everything. He's like lost in life and like doesn't know what to do with himself. This guy, well, he the, knows no, what no, he wants. This no, guy no, wants no, to succeed. The same. Louis, Louis Davis is very lost. He's a, he's a very struggling musician, but he's he's a homeless dude begging yes. strangers to sleep in their problem. houses. That's the a, fact not that he is couch surfing ties in quite a lot to the story. 
Yes. 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 No. No. But I mean, he's he knows exactly what he wants. He's just failing. Yeah. He's, this, yeah he's, this is about a yeah, guy who's he, failing. Yeah. Like he's like he goes and he has that huge audition. He gets all the way to Chicago. Should we do like a, a synopsis? Basically. Well, it's such a picaresque movie, but it does all a little move bit, in one yeah. direction. Yeah. I mean, again, it turns out to be nonlinear. Which yeah, only sl- only slightly. Only slightly. I, think, I feel yeah. like it just yeah. So the the opening scene turns out to be the last scene. Theoretically, yes. Yeah. But oh, yes, the opening not. scene and the last scene are the same, except for about. 40 seconds which are added on the end which there's a little there's the a little there's a little up top too uh, like, like we don't see, we don't I don't think we see young Bob in the original no he just no, shows I don't up think at the we end do. yeah no I think at the end in the beginning of the movie you just see him it's yeah it, play mm-hmm. and then have play, a little conversation where he, talk apo- with he Pappy, apologizes yeah. to Pappy gets told there's someone else right. and that's it we don't yeah. see the part where he tells him what's going on that he slept with the girl and went, right, right, you right, see right. him get beat up in the alley yep. and yeah. then it transitions into the main scene yeah. where he wakes up in the Glorfinkel's apartment mm-hmm. and uh, loses their cat yeah. and the narrative starts from there so extremely 60s period and that's why I want there to be a scene like this in New York today because mm-hmm. I live in the west side mm-hmm. you know moving on up we could be like the Nice Jewish family that Upper lets people come, like mm-hmm. like folk singers come and stay with us. You yeah. know, I would totally do that. Like that would be that would be fun. I'd like yeah. to I'd like to be a patron of the. As arts, long as they don't but... lose your cat. All right, so every... I don't have a cat. All right, so all... my kids. If my kids right, go out the so, window, all right, so I'll all be co- so all couch surfing folk singers listening to this podcast, yes. you know where to go. Oh, Arnito Rinko. Oh, yeah, no, Rinko. that's not my Twitter handle. My yeah. Twitter handle is at Reactive Nuisance. Oh, yeah, that gets let out, and I have not looked at Twitter in a little bit. and you still give out the handle. I do, I do. People should send me messages. Well, just. Make sure the my Twitter are, doesn't work because the vandals, the vandals took your handle. handle. <laughs> so I have a, a theory that's not one of those crazy theories about this movie. That mm, it's great, largely the about the uh, the main character, Lewin Davis, being in the last two stages of grief over the death of his partner. So for a movie called Inside Lewin Davis, we don't get inside Lewin Davis that much. We know the things he does. We don't know many of the things about him. A lot of his history mm-hmm. is just straight up, like, uh, like not brought up at all in the movie. Like a lot of it is just kind of like you know just contextual. Um, it yeah, takes it, a while to find out that he lost his uh, folk singer partner. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We Although see, I like how that's dished out. That yeah. was yes. effective. Yeah, that, you that, find it out on the on the car trip he takes to Chicago. Yes. So that when F. Murray Abraham right. tells him specifically, yep. I don't see a lot, lot of mon- money in this. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you, you should, should get find, join your partner. I think again. you should get yeah. back together with your partner. partner. And, and when he says, yeah, that might be a good idea, that, yes. that hits. That's where I thought the movie was going. Mm-hmm. I thought the movie was going to end with him joining his partner again. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I was way... This, this movie, to me, seemed like there was a sense of menace throughout the whole thing. Like, something bad was going to happen. There absolutely is. Because the beginning yeah. was kind of like that. You see that 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 scene, but then that yeah. plays out again at the end, and you're just like, oh. Yeah, I thought that scene was going to be about something very different. I thought yeah. that scene was going to be about Akron. I yes. thought he was going to be that faked me up too the first time yeah. I saw it. But actually, perhaps a trigger warning, honestly, too. Um, I suppose so. This movie is rated R for alcoholism, foul <laughs> language, sexual content, smoking, substance abuse, and violence. Substance abuse, substance abuse, and alcohol. Oh yes, John Goodman. Yes, yes. that's yes, true. that's yes. yes, that's actually fairly John Goodman um, on the nod. Blue singer chasing. I wouldn't horse. say intense, yeah. but it's definitely not like they don't pull any. He's a jazz. It. It's jazz kind singer. of a gross heroin. He's very specific about being jazz. I will trust you to remember yes. that. He's a, he might be a blues he is, traveler, yeah. but he's a jazz musician. No, he's he's busting on Lewin Davis for being a folk singer. Yeah. He has no respect yeah. for their absolutely and, not. And man, what a just tremendous all, on all cylinders is a jerk. He's being, yes. He, well, he he vacillates between being unconscious and <laughs> yes. unbearable jerk. So speaking of menace, another thing I kept expecting him to I expected expecting there to be a dead body in this movie, and there wasn't. Many mm. scenes I kept expecting Lewin Davis to have to figure out what to do with the corpse, which was which is very Coen Brothers, oh, yeah. but it never goes sure. there. 
Yeah, I kind of, well, because John Goodman, you think, is going to be. Well, that's one of them, yes. So you mentioned the trigger warning. One of those trigger warnings being substance abuse and alcoholism. Yes. And we are drinking this podcast <laughs> We are. Tonight. Well, there's Who another have potential trigger warning that we'll get to maybe after yes. we talk about the drinks. Another, okay. All right. Sounds good. So what are we drinking, Christopher? Oh, uh, yes. these are whiskey sours. Whiskey sours. Okay. Mm-hmm. Traditional so, whiskey sours made with egg white, Angostina bitters. Yeah. A lot of this movie takes place in bars, but there's not a lot of focus on liquor per se. No, not so really. So we just kind of went with like a classic bar drink. And actually, Lewin Davis has one part of the film where he gets pretty drunk, but Stinking drunk, but we don't know what he. But otherwise, he doesn't really seem to have a big problem with Mm -hmm. that. Considering the scene he's in, you'd think that that would be that is that is not one of his many problems. No, it is not one of his. Which is incidentally the opening and ending scene. Right. Yes. So this is a film. Oh, uh, whiskey sour. Let's talk about what's in the whiskey sour. Then we'll do a little bit of synopsis Mm -hmm. to to Uh, not leave people in the simple syrup. Okay. Lemon, Angostura bitters. bitters. Mm -hmm. The uh, the spirit is. Oh, we actually used bourbon in this in this particular case. Bourbon. Okay. What kind of bourbon? Pull the bottle so you can see. Bourbon, whiskey, Old Forester. Okay. Oh, and of course, egg whites, which, you know, gives the the froth for the top. That's the part that surprised me. I remember my parents drinking these and always thinking, like, what is in this that makes it fizz Mm -hmm. up the way it does? What what do you get that froth from? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Just Mm -hmm. the egg whites kind of reacting with everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like an egg cream. So, speaking of warnings, I do want to give a salmonella warning Mm -hmm. for anybody out there who's drinking this because we got a little. Salute. Now that's just a, a convivial cheers. That does not we do automatically not. advocate for inside Lewin Davis. We're going to or salmon. Yeah, we, yeah, you've got yeah, we've got the next little while for that. Yes, that's going to come at the end of the show. But the other potential trigger warning, I guess, is this movie does discuss abortion. So Why? It, it, Wait, eternal and timely. Well, what do you mean? What's, yeah, what's what's timely about that? Is there anything going on in particular? I, I, I can't think of anything. Yeah, no, I'm, me, me either. Well, right. it's taking place in 1961, I believe it does predate the uh, seminal Roe v. Wade. It sh- certainly sounds like it from the mm-hmm. way they're talking about it, as if everybody's committing a crime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so this is a movie, essentially, like Joe said, it's just kind of a depiction of a guy's life. Yeah, a lot uh, of it's, yeah, a lot, like it's many pretty much just a chapter. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. A couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. I think specifically it is one week. So we come in in a way in his life in medias rest because he's lost his partner, mm-hmm. which is a big an deal indeterminate in amount of time ago. An indeterminate amount of time ago, but not super long. I don't think six months. I think he mentions at one point uh, enough time to put out a solo album, and that's, that's okay. I guess that's true. Okay, that's yeah. true. And he's not taking it well on he a lot of levels. He's all. not. He's not succeeding professionally without his partner. Mm-hmm. He's not happy without his partner. He's like aimless. He's crashing on people's couches. To the point of like like asking just like hitting up people he's literally just met to crash on their couches. There's a there's a desperation to the film to the story yes. of the film. Oscar Isaac does not play it that way. Oscar Isaac seems to have a sense of he, he he's kind of like winking and like a little bit of a, a comedic tone to the way he plays it. Well, even, well, I mean, even well, though it's even though it's this so, is bad. This is a situation. I was expecting this film to end in suicide or death. So or, I was so, expecting this to be like the spiral, and it ended up feeling like a chapter. Like a yeah. rough chapter yeah. in some guy's life. Like maybe things yeah. are going to be okay at some point. So it is a Coen Brothers movie, and it is, and very few of their movies are completely humorless. Um, right. A lot of the humor in this is absurdity. It's supposed to be people making actual joke. Although Lewin does like rip on people every now and then. A little bit. I, I don't. I, I didn't get that read out of Oscar's performance. I like, he he really felt struggling to me. There's a darkness to it, in my opinion. Yes. He seems to get up off the mat more often than I would think. I kept expecting this to be the bad event that like makes him spiral down. Well, it's interesting. What do you no. think is his lowest moment in the movie? Um, when he goes when he goes back to the Merchant Marine. No, I think it's the the, the inner audition with F. Murray Abraham. I think is. Mm. I actually have a third. I think it is the moment when the car 
Yeah. He's pulled oh, over, yes. and the driver gets taken out, mm-hmm. and he's 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 pulled yeah. out of the car, yeah. and he has yeah. to walk to Chicago, and mm. he stops, and he looks at the cat, yeah. and he decides to leave the cat in the car with the jazz musician yep. and just walk to Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Hitchhike. Yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of on the road mm-hmm. in that trip to Chicago. Yep. Yep. There's one of the things I noticed is the whole bit about finding out that the and this is a spoiler alert for something that people might not have seen, by the way, so I wanna preface it with that, maybe mm-hmm. don't listen. When you find out as the viewer that the partner died, yes. I realize that that's Phoebe Waller Bridge did that in a fleabag. It's almost okay. the same story. It's very similar. Someone who's hmm. struggling and like not doing very well in London instead of New York. And in the contemporary times, and when you find out about her uh, friend dying, like you know the friend's dead at the beginning, but then you find out why towards the end of the show, and it's it was revealed in a very similar way. I thought, I thought she might have been inspired by this movie. Yeah. I think it's so. an interesting choice also to have that reveal come after he's already had the breakdown of the Glorfinkels when yes, right. Mrs. Glorfinkel starts singing his partner's lyrics and he I freaks out. I think I out. knew by then though. I didn't. I didn't I pick up. I, had I did not pick up on that part of it. That's real good. See how okay, smart so, you are. Yeah, see, you I might think have they got the big round of Chris. <laughs> I yeah. think when that happened, when when she started playing, I think I knew the partner was dead already. I think I, I had figured that out. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't think they've I don't said know they it, said but there are enough hints there that you could probably. I think I had it figured out because I remember realizing why that happened. I was like, well, that's why he's having a freak out. She should have known better. Like. Cool. Although he plays it as if he's Mr. If he's just, guy. Yeah, as if he's just being an a-hole. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, the other people there don't know when they play it that way, too. Yes. Which, yeah, yeah. Which certainly leans into it. That's true. One of the other signature portions of the movie is also the studio session that he has mm, recording that, Please, Mr. Kennedy. Yes. yes. A novelty uh, space, space age stage And it's like a star-studded... A recording session because it's Justin Timberlake, Actors, yep, and it's Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver, Adam Driver, stealing early the, in his career. Adam Driver also absolutely stealing the scene. Kind of. I, yeah. I love the way they're practicing that song, yeah. and he's just saying things on the side yeah. and throwing him off, and yeah, Ooh. he does that thing with his with his head where he yeah. ducks down. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, he's great in this. I yeah. I remember seeing girls. And when he got cast to be in Force Awakens, I was like, why? I'm not, really not impressed with this guy. From I watched a little bit of Girls. I didn't watch the whole thing. It's kind of intolerable. but um, It gets that way after the second season, I think. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that was it. Maybe we watched it for more than one season. But watching this, I was like, oh, I like this guy a lot. Yeah. Like, And it's apparently, this is where they did most of their casting for The Force Awakens. Because obviously, so the Justin Ho, Timberlake. So Poe Dameron is, yeah, and Justin Timberlake. Maybe we should talk about the underlying uncomfortableness of that scene, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. You have Gene and Jim. Yeah. So Carrie Mulligan okay. playing Gene, mm-hmm. right. and Justin Timberlake as Jim. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, very early on in the movie, we find out that Gene is pregnant mm-hmm. and says it's Lewin's and, baby. And Lewin has well, been well, well, that, it, that it might that it might it be it might Lewin's. be yeah. So that she's clearly yeah that she's she's been cheating on her. Are they married? Is it or, yeah, or just partners? They are married. Yes, yes. Married. She, yes cheating on on. on her partner with Lewin Davis. And I will say, Carrie Mulligan gives an incendiary performance in this. She is so angry in the early scenes and yeah. somewhat forgiving in the late scenes, but she steals every scene she's in. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's really spitting fire. You know who she's married to? No. The dude from Mumford and Son. Which is super appropriate for this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking, like I looked that I up. I believe and I was Mumford like, and Son actually I think did in it. I think mm-hmm. I think yes. they either wrote a song yeah. or did the, all they, the songs. They maybe. performed yeah, okay. uh, Dink's song. It's something Mumford is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what is. Yeah, uh, they, they It's not like Hootie and the Blowfish, where there's not. Well, there's no Hootie or Blowfish. Hootie, which yes. I think in this one is you know when if I had wings, which is the song he sings with Mike, his partner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it's the very central song that. Yes, Marcus Mumford himself does the voice of the part. Okay. The voice of the part. Okay. okay. So that's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. So there's that underlying thing, and 
the reason he does that song with them is because he needs the money to pay for the abortion, right? Uh, which his friend invited him to, and it's for his friend's right. wife. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the uncomfortable portion of it. And then he and then he signs away the rights to it because he's in a hurry and needs the cash. And it's for like, that, as yes. soon as you hear that happening when you watch it, you're like, "Oh, that's going to be yeah, okay. they get, we're right, going to make yeah. that." You know. Yeah, yeah. It's, which it's, is like you said, it's anti King Midas. Another one of Carrie Mulligan's great lines is, "You know, you're like King Midas' idiot brother." Right. Right. Everything, everything you, touches, everything you, you touch turns to yeah. you know, he, not yeah. gold. Let's yes. just yes. say. <laughs> a less valuable, a, a less a less valuable, valuable commodity than gold. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are you big on Coen Brothers in general? Yes. What's your What's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Maybe No Country. It certainly sticks with you. I like that one. I have not seen all their movies. So I've seen, because, no, well, they are, I they are pretty prolific. All of I've, them, I've no. seen a bunch. There are some big ones I haven't seen. I haven't seen Blood Simple yet. I've never but seen like, that. But like yeah. a, that's uh, their first movie. Yeah. No, no, that. Crime Wave is their first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always heard Blood Simple was. Okay. <laughs> was Blood Crime Simple. Wave not like a major release or something? No, was, Crime Wave was then team with with Sam Raimi, a friend of theirs. It's very much like... Uh, <laughs> so your favorite Coen Brothers movie? It's probably still Fargo. Mm. Oh, this, I even forgot This that is that probably my Brothers. third yeah. favorite Coen mm. Brothers movie. Bill, uh, What's number two, Lady Killers? Uh, that was a joke, everyone. Yes. Oh, God. I'm vapor Yeah, you can tell by the dead silence that was met with. What's the one, the gangster movie that... The gangster... Oh, you're talking about Miller's Crossing. Miller's, Miller's Crossing. Crossing. Yeah. Miller's Crossing. I love Miller's Crossing. Uh, my favorite is Oh Brother Where Art, though. I, I just watch it over and over. That's again. that's a movie I enjoy watching. Me, over yeah. And Fargo, I actually yeah. really like watching over yeah. and over. The Coen Brothers. They Bill, made a lot Bill of Macy, movie. Bill Macy came to a um, a film festival in Las Cruces, huh? and like wow. he, they did a showing of Fargo, mm-hmm. and so we got to go and see him like talk wow. about Wait, the movie. He did was, you call him Bill Macy? Yeah, that's what he calls himself. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're on a first name basis with him. No, no. That's what he announced himself as. So it's like I guess that's what he's called now. It's not because we're friends. I mean, we are. We hang out. Yeah. There's not that many people yeah. to hang out with in Las Cruces, so he like I, I showed him around. <laughs> but yeah, the Coen Brothers—they made a lot of movies. Most of them pretty good. Yes, yes, I think so. I like a lot of the Raising Arizona. We didn't mention as well. That's yeah. that's my that's, other top five. I, mm-hmm. just, yeah. There's a there's a bit where they get in a fight in the trailer, and Nicolas Cage goes to punch the other guy and puts his hands over mm-hmm. his. No, it's the other, it's John Goodman goes mm-hmm. to punch him with his hands over his head. And scrapes his hands across that like stucco ceiling they have, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I forgot Shawkin was in that movie too." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's been in so, most of their movies. Yeah. So, <laughs> off the top of your head, how many of the Coen Brothers movies would you say John Goodman had appeared in? Man, because he's in this one, he has a, yeah. a very memorable part in this. Yeah, seven. I mean, I forgot he was in Raising Arizona. He's in Barton Fink. I know that. Okay. Boy, I, I, I got to recuse myself from this one. I mean, he's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's mm-hmm. in this. He's See, in, I didn't remember that He's in Raising either. Arizona. Right. He's in six of their movies. Really? Yeah. Okay. So okay. it's actually lower than I thought. Like, oh, I was yeah. thinking, I was like, man, he, doesn't he like appear in all of their movies mm-hmm. or something? Um, does anybody else think that, did John Goodman need to gain weight for this part? No, but he lost weight immediately after this. Okay. This is before the great drop. Yeah. All right. Because I was looking, I was like, man, like you get John Goodman to be in your movie and you're like, could you put on like 50 pounds? He looked very much about to die. He's like Bob De Niro. He suffers for his art. Where do you think his sister lives? I assume Jersey because he gets dropped off there by the guy that's driving to Jersey. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could be. Could be. I was thinking like. Sheepshead Bay, yeah. like Rockaway, some yeah. some so, 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 you know, so, so so circling back a bit of the period piece aspect, like I feel like the ease with which he like hitchhikes around, yeah, right, or just like it crashes on people's couches. I feel I feel like in a contemporary movie that would be a lot harder to justify. Do you know when they say that changed? What is in Cold Blood? When hmm. the book In Cold Blood oh, came out, wow. it's Come literally back. right about the same time, I think, like 1960, 61, something like that. People, people stopped hitchhiking less in, less because of Dick house. and Perry in that yeah. book. Like, kill, I think they kill somebody when they're hitchhiking or hmm. something. 
But anyway, it, it just changed yeah. the way people thought about that. Uh, even though, even though people totally mm-hmm. still got killed when they were hitchhiking. Yeah. Also, maybe 40s, an important, you know? also maybe an important point here, and it maybe circles back to the trigger warning we kind of slid away from, which is that Lewin Davis, maybe not a great guy, kind of screws a lot of things up, is kind of an asshole at a lot of times. A little bit, but I, he's not a scumbag. And no. that can be a little hard. Like, like, like he never, like he never steals anything from any of these people whose lives he just slides in and out of. And it would be really easy for him to. I don't think so. That is an interesting point that you bring up. And in rewatches, I realized, you remember Pappy, the guy who introduces yeah. him at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You mean Vinny Del Pino from Doogie Howser? Yes. Ooh. Well, you mentioned he also he also talks that he's been sleeping. But yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that very easily could not be Lewin's child. Yeah, well, yeah and she, it already easily couldn't because she's married. But, yeah. but she goes to Lewin for and, this right. rather than Pappy right. because Pappy mm. is a scumbag. Right. Yeah. Mm. And Lewin is not. And she mm. knows that he has right. in she the past... She knows he's a good guy on some yeah. level. Paid yeah. for That's true. Yeah, he, right. yeah, the, yeah, not his first go-around. Paid, paid for an abortion yeah. that ended up never happening. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so... So he's got a gift card... Um, you know, weirdly, in this unlicensed environment, yes. Bonus drink to anyone who can name the cat. Oh, I know that. Well, it's cheating because I just watched this movie about four hours ago. So did I. What was the cat's name? <laughs> but I'm know. asking the question, mm. so, yes. Yeah, the cat is Ulysses. Thank you, sir. Ah, Which okay. dumbfounds Lua. Yes. No, he, no, he's just shocked. He's like, that's the cat's name? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He that, finds out at the end. That's yeah. another hilarious point mm-hmm. when he has the breakdown with the Glorfinkles. Yeah. And Miss Glorfinkle comes in and says, this is not our cat. So, yeah, so, yeah, so two things. So, is so yeah, like... Where is like, that is pretty, That yeah. is one of the yeah. slimy things he does, I guess, is replacing mm, the cat. Well, no. he thinks it is the cat. No, oh, yeah, he genuinely he thinks does? it is the cat. Oh, yes. okay. Right. Yeah, so yeah, so cat, I got the impression yeah. he just didn't care. Yeah. He just got a cat. No, oh, okay, well, I mean, right. I mean, well, so he loses. So, he loses so, their so, cat. So, he's yeah. watching the cat. The cat gets out the window, and there's a bunch so, of there's a bunch of the movie in the beginning where yeah. he's chasing around after this cat. So yeah, so on this topic, so number one, so cat hubris. I knew immediately as soon as that window got open, the cat was going to go out of it. Yes. That's like a checkoff yes. gun. Yes. And I knew as soon as he found the cat in the street, it was going to be the wrong cat. That's right. just how these things go. None of that was surprising. But although it looked like the same cat, it did. It did. I'm not a cat person. Yeah, random cat. Yeah, I think the shape of water has approved none of us are cat people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, you think this is the same cat? Look uh, like the same cat. No, that cat, got cat, by, that, that cat got hit by a fishman. Ten years later, cat. right? So how could it be the same cat? Wait, yeah. Well, right. when is it? Like 2017 or something? No, no, no. But it's set. That we're talking about. If we're going to continue oh, the gag, it's on the oh, movie is set. Oh, you mean right, you've you destroyed, you destroyed the bit? But the movie was set in 1957. Shape of Water. Wait, wasn't this a 2007 movie? Am I totally off? This movie's 2013. Oh, All right. good lord. Alright, I've been drinking too much to think this fourth dimensional, you guys. So going but back... Shape go, of Water is set during the space race. Yes. Remember? And this but be so about, is this. This would be the same... Could be the same cat. <laughs> yeah. Is Baltimore, New York? You can get from Baltimore. Haven't you ever seen Incredible Journey or something like that? Lewin, Davi- Lewin Davis saw the poster for Incredible Journey. He did. He did. <laughs> yes. Oh Maybe it is the same even, cat. I wasn't even thinking yeah, about that when I yeah. said that. <laughs> see, because see, hidden layers in this movie, Chris. Oh, and the right. cat finds its way home, so yes. it all comes together. There you yeah. go. But but to circle back on topic, Dave, I would actually argue that. that is why does he see that movie poster? What is that? He just he's walking after, down the street. It's well, why, after why? the cat comes I'm, back and he's like tying it together, and it came yeah. out in the era. And I think it just yeah. okay. He's like he, huh. he just no, it didn't. It didn't. It was an error. It's the wrong Ooh. year for Incredible Journey. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. that was in the errata somewhere. Oh, man. I mentioned it. <laughs> but, like, but, yeah. So I was like, the director definitely wanted that poster yeah, to be in the yeah. movie. I would argue that whole cat arc is an example of, of Lewin Davis not being a scumbag. Because if he was a scumbag, he would just let the cat go and not cared. Right. But like, he makes a right. point to like when the cat escapes, he makes unless, a point. He chases after the cat on multiple occasions. Unless he's he, worried he can't freeload off these people anymore if he loses their cat. It could just be... 
self-interest. Isn't it interesting that they give him the cat after they find out it's not the right one? Because he has it with him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Well, well, they don't want traveling where to Chicago. Yeah, the cat is yeah. Oh, they apparently doesn't have the heart to just like kick it out. At that point, at that point, yeah. Well, he leaves it with somebody. I mean, he leaves it with the guy that gets. He leaves it with John. No, no, he leaves it with unconscious John Goodman. Yeah, because the driver is the one who gets arrested. Right. Yes, the driver like decides to. Attack the cop or something? No, no, no. What the, happened? The, the cop just gets triggered super easy. Oh, okay. like he, he, like the cop is just straight up not showing the proper deference. It just escalates to eleven. Yeah, I was definitely expecting that from a movie from this time period. Yeah, like I was cop, wondering if he was going to punch gonna, the dude. The cop out, was going to beat somebody over the head or something. He's like, you don't want to get pulled over by the cops in nineteen fifties, yeah, like Ohio or nineteen sixties yeah. Ohio. Even though, as earlier discussed, there's exactly one black person in this movie, and he doesn't even have a line. Did we decide that that's 100% true? There's no no black folks in this movie? No, no, no speaking yeah. parts. I think that was decided off camera, actually. Yes. 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 Uh, yes. Pre-recording, yes. Pre yes. yes. So, so this movie kind of goes back and forth on how sympathetic... Lewin himself is because he, he because like he basically gets no breaks like they like, like he like he's definitely very put upon he and, and sinned against but at the same time he also like makes a lot of trouble like, like when he does makes some me. trouble usually it well, seems to me like he dishes out just about as much as he takes like in general like he kind of causes some sure. of these problems he's not as kind to people as he should be who mm -hmm. are helping him out but also true the, the biggest freak out like, is like you said like she goes to him because she figures he's the one that will actually try to do something about yeah. her being pregnant. She's, he's not just going to ditch her. Yeah, He has a hard... Uh, I think the Rolling Stone article for the movie described him as talent unblessed by fortune, and I think that's hmm. pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's, that's about that, what they're going for. Yeah, that's he, good tagline. He's just failing. He is reason. clearly yeah. his best self when he is on stage performing, Yeah, mm -hmm. and his worst self when he is off stage interacting with other people he doesn't know. Why do they show Dylan? Oh, Why boy. does Dylan show up? <laughs> there has because to be not... a certain level of despair that you feel as a folk singer in the 60s when you are not Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. But I think Dylan, is Dylan supposed to be a nobody at the time? Like he doesn't know This who is Dylan the breakout is. for Dylan. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, he's on his way up. I believe they mentioned at one point that there's going to be someone from the Times that that yes. at that particular show mm -hmm. and that he will have to split the hat. Yeah. Okay. So Dylan is the other performer and he's coming off stage because he's performing first. And he has that lingering look at Dylan because mm -hmm. he's like, oh my God, this guy's better than me. Hmm. Do you think that's how Dylan would come across? Would he be like a thunderbolt of talent when you saw him? I and mean, the guy has this kind of scratchy voice. In 61? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. That's true. It is, yeah, it is It is very hard to like, I mean, living you know, like living in a post-Dylan world, it, like, yeah, it, uh, yeah it, it's, it's, it's a thought exercise to imagine like what hearing Bob Dylan for the first time pre-Bob Dylan world would have been like. I mean, I people know. love him. Yeah. But I've always thought that a lot of what they love is really the writing. Like, it is. I oh. like I like Dylan's voice, but it's because I know I know who he is. I, I like Dylan. Like I, you know, those guys on Just King things, they mm -hmm. hate Bob Dylan. <laughs> it comes up over and over, and I'm mm. like, why do they hate Bob Dylan? What do they have against Bob mm. Dylan? What he do does have, have a bad voice. Him? He does. But he has a distinctive voice. He does. There's oh, a I, certain timbre to his voice that I like. I like listening. Well, my to dad him, hates you know? Dylan, but I no, mean, but I, at least your dad lived I through understand. the era. He has, oh, you know, uh, it makes uh, sense for him. Slight tangent here, Chris, but as a Lou and Dave super fan. Oh God, heaven forfend. I know. I know. So yeah. So so again. Dylan is the part is credited in the credits as Young Bob, but right. scrolling through the credits, Lewin Davis's dad Hugh Davis, uncredited, does not have a speaking role. And his dad is referenced in the Merchant Marines every time. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're ex are you Hugh Davis's son? Hugh kid? Davis's yeah. son, yeah. His like, dad is an actor I've seen in other things too. I remember thinking that there, there are a lot of people. It took me a while to realize that was John Goodman. Like his very affected getup. Yeah. Uh, I didn't recognize F. Murray Abraham at all. 
F. Oh, Murray no, Abraham yeah. gives the most devastating line of the movie, too. I think there's some meat here. I'm going to dive into my biggest surprise. Please. Because I think okay. it'll, it'll, there'll be a lot of discussion here. Okay. My uh, biggest surprise is how early you're giving us your biggest surprise, but okay, go for it. I love it. <laughs> Boom. Uh, my biggest surprise was this is based on an autobiography. Right. Uh, by Dave Van Ronk. Dave well, Van Ronk. Yeah, well, uh, inspired by, per Wikipedia, but yes, we'll, we'll yes. get there maybe. Inspired, I guess, is the yeah. best way to put it. Sounded about right. Uh, yeah. Dave Van Ronk was a very successful uh, folk singer starting in the early 60s, the same era. He's probably best known for uh, putting the composition together for what later became the animal's biggest hit. Oh, uh, House of the Rising Sun? Yes, House mm. of the Rising Sun. He did a folk version of that, which they turned into kind of like a bluesy rock yeah. version of it, mm-hmm. which which became very popular. Traditional? It is an old traditional mm-hmm. song, yeah, okay. but uh, Van Rock apparently did the arrangement for it, nice. which Dylan recorded, nice. and then they recorded Dylan's version of it. That's one of the first songs I ever learned how to play from start to finish on guitar. Oh, really? You can actually like, play all the way through. Is it it's fun like a it. simple basic chord setup? I think or, that, you know, thank you, John Goodman. Sometimes what you find A-B-B-C. on... A-B-B-C. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's sometimes that's what you find on guitar uh, ultimate tabs is somebody's <laughs> like cheapened version. Mm-hmm. It's like an easier version of it. So maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, but... Okay. But yes, inspi- but yes, inspired by Dave Van Ronk, even if maybe not closely based on. But Dave well, I Van Ronk, I feel like, is a name that we don't know that name. I, I, I so didn't I know So I feel like Lewin yeah. Davis very easily could be a character who could have been important in the folk scene done a lot of influential <laughs> things and just kind of disappeared you so know? like there's probably a hundred guys like so that. i was actually so i, I was assuming <clears throat> this was not like an actual biopic but i was briefly right. unsure because there is there is something else on amazon where we where i think we all watched this this time there's like a, a project celebrating the music of, of lewin davis which briefly okay. made me wonder wait is lewin was lewin davis a real guy right 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 but, no, I, I, didn't I feel see like that. a lot of the elements in the movie, kind of like the couch surfing, the fact that he doesn't take his his childhood things and tells his sister to put them on the street mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to admit that he's couch surfing and can't take them mm-hmm. ties in. Sure, uh, like the two hundred bucks where he's he's fighting for the two hundred bucks, signs mm-hmm. away the royalties specifically to pay for the abortion, and then ultimately doesn't need the two hundred bucks. Very called brothers the absurd. Then winds mm-hmm. up using most like of Henry. it to pay yeah. for the merchant marine Re- license. The back, well, yeah, his back union his, dues, his back union dues, mm-hmm. and the, you know, like everything, and then winds up performing at the gaslight. To get the money to pay for his uh, other license mm-hmm. that was thrown out. Also, that the one night, the one night where he could have had the opportunity to be heard by like the New York Times and like have his big big yeah. break, Dylan's there. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. freaking Bob Dylan shows up yeah. on that night. You know? Talent unblessed by opportunity. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's kind of what it felt like. And yeah. The um, audition with F. Murray Abraham, I thought mm-hmm. he sounded great. Right? Yeah, Boy, yeah, yeah. It sounds great. I, I certainly right? think it sounds like worse than great, ever. But it is, that is possibly the worst song he could have picked for it. And this is something that ties in all through, like, Dink's song, uh, Life Isn't Worth Living Without the One You Love. Mm-hmm. That's clearly about his partner that died. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe are you there's giving, also. Are you doing a queer read on this, or are you just. No, no, no. Just, just saying just that he cares about his partner. Yeah, he cared about his partner. But there's also a line in there about uh, uh, your unborn child. The song he sings in that one is about uh, King Henry and Queen Jane, which I believe is about Henry V and uh, Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. Mm-hmm. So there's another error in the film when he goes to, is it Toledo or Akron? Ah, well, he passes, he specifically does not go to Akron. He passes through Akron yeah. and he uh, turns off on US 80. US 80 is in the south. Yeah. I-80 goes through Akron, Ohio. Mm. 
That's the way. Remember we had the trivia night the other night where there was all the which interstates went between what cities, and I was just like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> because you, you've been everywhere, I've man. Spent you've my, been I've everywhere. spent my life in a very uh, uh, transient. We actually haven't had to drink. We were playing a drinking game tonight about we'd have to drink when Joe swears. I've been good so far. So far, but now he's got an, another drink here, so we'll see. see what I mean, it depends on what you count as a swear. He said a few that are borderline. What, Carmel? So um, have we gotten up to the point where we can do like the crazy theories? Yes, please. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I think yeah, we're already there. Although okay. I don't although, have an over, I don't yeah. have an overwrought theory yeah. of the week this time. Yes. So you can go. Although I have to say, I think perhaps a schizophrenia read on it, and that's why they're saying inside Llewellyn Davis, because the whole thing is taking place inside his head, is a possible read. I don't that's have a lot of evidence to back it up because I wasn't thinking of it when I watched it, but I have been mulling over why is it called inside Llewellyn Davis? Why is the movie called that? Because we talked, it's just the name of the well, album. But the, album's, but the, well, yeah. the album's not real, and so why? Abram has a, has a real part where he sits down and says, play me something from inside, inside Lou and Davis. Davis. Ah, okay. Yeah, very I loaded like line. A little double yeah. entendre there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That, mm-hmm. I like that. What uh, about... And it is a character study of him. Yes. Even though you don't find too much out about sure. him. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's inside his world. Sure. Yes. And, and Actually, that, you know what? You're talking about... You were saying that we don't get a lot about him, mm-hmm. and I was thinking he lacks a certain amount of internality. Mm-hmm. And the movie's called Inside Lewin Davis, and it may be a... This is my overwrought theory of the mm-hmm. week, is that we actually don't get a lot of internality for this character. Yeah, he's and very the film closed is off. called Inside Lewin Davis. We watch him for an hour and a half, and we don't get Inside yeah. Lewin Davis. He's very closed off. That's my overwrought theory. Certain scenes that are just elided... Mm-hmm. You know, there's the Ooh. after he comes back uh, to Chris Jersey. Chris just got a lot cuter after he uh, said he liked it. I appreciate that. He comes back to Jersey. Cystic. And has that uh, that breakfast with his nephew. Your uncle is a bad man. Yeah. And okay. Walks out. Yep. He goes to the uh, the Merchant Marine, and mm-hmm. you know his sister's been pressuring him into it. Yeah. So he goes to that. You don't get the scene where she does it again. Mm-hmm. He just sort of does it. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain scenes that are just sort of filled in with what you know of him to that point, mm-hmm. and it just reaches the next logical conclusion. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't get the scene where he, he realizes, I need the money, I have to go back to the gaslight. You know, yeah. Carrie Mullen, whatever her name is, Jean, has invited yeah. me back there, I need to go back and do it. He's yeah. just there and does it. Yeah. Which I feel is very Cohen's brother. So yeah. where are you going with that? That was really more of a side than anything oh, else. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so one of the popular theories online is this is actually a Groundhog Day movie. Yeah. He's repeating the same day over and over again. That's hmm. why it starts and ends on the same portion. Okay, I'm yeah. going to toss that one. I, I tend to agree with you, but I'm going to explore I, it. I, I, th- I like I, it. I, I like it, but it's, that's not what Thematically, hell yes. Yeah. Literally, exactly. no. Yeah. I completely agree. Right. I, I just want to bring up there's a point okay. where Gene tells him that he's uh, he doesn't know who he is. He's mm-hmm. repeating the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And why do you think we get the nonlinear opening and ending? It is hmm. interesting because there are additions to the ending. Mm-hmm. The Dylan portion is only at the end. It's not at the beginning. Okay, right. Also, you don't get the Ouroboros at the end. Yes. So there are two additions to it. Did you it. say it like Ouroboros? Like o- the... Ouroboros. Although that's, an, says, although that's oh, an interesting oh, read. Oh, yeah. Ouroboros. My own personal crazy crackpot theory, which I haven't seen anywhere else, is the gaslight is the central, the central area, the central focus and location that you keep coming to, back to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's not a coincidence. I think everyone in every scene is being gaslit by someone. Oh, I was going to say gaslight. Yeah, okay. So everyone in every scene is being gaslit by someone. Mm-hmm. And I think if you rewatch the movie... Uh, <laughs> okay, so you're saying we get more information in the second version. To me, what that says, what that leads me as a reader, is to think that we must have different viewpoints. You're usually, when you get more information or different information, well, you, you got a viewpoint. It's, it's change, all a viewpoint from his viewpoint. It's all him seeing Dylan being like, oh, because he does get that look in his eye. Right. This but guy's why good. is it different? Why is the scene different? Yeah. 
what I are they trying to tell I us? I think it's that? emphasizing different different issues, and <laughs> and honestly, I do think I think the gaslight. Because it's not issue, Groundhog Day. Because nothing happens different. I I, I, agree. I totally discard the Groundhog Day theory. Mm, I, yeah. I lean much more into the gaslight theory, in which everyone in every scene is being gaslit somewhat. So when Carrie Mulligan is telling him it's his child, mm. that's a gaslight. She doesn't bring up the fact. Pappy is something that comes up at the end of the movie. You don't really realize. That's true. That's yeah. That's extremely sure. yeah. That's extremely late game that that recontextualizes the earlier scene. Yes. Right. But it must have happened in the first version of the scene. We just don't it get did. the whole. But you just you don't know because well, you haven't been introduced. It, well, to well, well, again, it's implied. The implication and the way that scene plays out is that. Do you guys want me to open up the curtain a little bit and show you the old man behind there for a second? Go for it. Sure. So the Coen brothers were actually quoted as creating this film from having an image of what happens at the beginning. Of just thinking of some guy in an alley getting beat up and imagining a story of a folk singer. Interesting. And so they put the film together with the, the, the little pastiche image that they started the film out mm-hmm. with and then filled in a story and then maybe just added some details at the end because they thought of some more details. And it almost is just kind of how it got written. And it's almost I, like seeing metatextually mm-hmm. the writing of the film laid out in front of you. I wonder when the book of David, the autobiography of David Rupp came in. Well, I think it's uh, called the, really late. I think it's 2005 or 2007. Okay. Oh, okay. But came into oh, the, writing the writing process, process. of the movie. Yeah, oh, know. they might have yeah. gone and done some, I believe they just kind of were hit with a like a thunderbolt with this mm-hmm. idea just as we could write a story around this particular image in our head. And if I may and then they did the research, and where they, that's where they came yeah. up with the Dave Van Rock. And, and if I may piggyback on you a little bit, um, further, again, per Wikipedia, the infallible source of information, um, right. so they, the Coens were apparently concerned that like there wasn't like a real story through line of the movie, and that's why they added in the cat stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I think the cat may be the supporting character of the movie, like the primary supporting or I guess, actor. T- or I guess cats, it's plural, technically, since it's two different cats within the film. Within the fiction, it's two different cats. But I'm not the, cat, sure. the cat that goes to Chicago is a different cat. I understand that. I'm not sure it's actually two different cats. Though. And it this, looks oh, like well, the same cat. Well, I mean, it's well, got different well, private they apparently, they apparently had, well, again... It, I'm not sure we're showing that yeah. in the movie. For our silent partner Wikipedia, Megan contribute. It is claimed per Wikipedia that there were multiple cat actors, okay. and yes. that they basically shot the scenes based on like which cat was like, behaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's yeah, what yeah, they did in Willow with the babies, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why in Willow you look yeah. and there's like a completely different baby in different scenes because they just have like eight babies, and mm-hmm. whichever one wasn't crying. Well, right so the, the baby wrangler just picked up yeah. the right yes. baby and yeah. yes. I, I think that scene where he's traveling with the cat in the subway yeah. is one of the strongest scenes in the movie. What are the odds? The cat doesn't throw up on the subway. You can't I take a cat in a car without having. Honestly, I was most shocked. <laughs> I was most shocked that he has never once scratched by the cat. Yeah. But then maybe that's yeah. just me and my underlying complex that like I don't want to touch a cat because I can never tell when they're going to just decide to attack you. So there's somebody in the movie named Green Fung. Who, oh, yeah. there's the one family. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's yeah. Alex Karpowski and yes. his wife. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that's definitely an example of like Lewin Davis being not being able. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not being able to not be an asshole. Yes. That reminds like, me. Does of that this, count? Do we have to drink? Ah, oh, yeah, definitely. Drink. All right, all right. You got me. So that reminds me of this one time. This is like I'm kind of a child, sort of like he is, right? I was in court one time, and there was this uh, Korean lady that didn't show up to court. Mm-hmm. And her name was Ho Hai. And she didn't show up, but her name was listed surname first. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, uh, the, the, the lady sitting there calling everyone out, she's like, Hi Ho? <laughs> Hi ho, and I was just like, I was like, oh my god, please, somebody else say it, no, so I don't have to say it. 
<laughs> See, I, so I think we've mentioned that uh, possibly the only bigger jerk in the movie than Lewin Davis is John, John Goodman. Goodman. Absolutely oh, yeah. incredible. Oh, yeah. Yes, incredible performance. He's, that's a great. That's a great. A great part. The yeah. moment in which he reveals his partner threw himself off the wrong bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah threw him also off, <laughs> an, off an aesthetically inferior bridge. Well, that's, that's clearly the wrong bridge. You know, your partner threw himself yeah. off the George Washington Bridge, not yeah. the Brooklyn Bridge. What kind of an infidel is he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So amazing restraint by the way. You know, he's, a, he's a jerk in a lot of them. There's no really yeah. restraint there. because he. No, looks no, back. Keep, no, 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 no. I'm saying, like, in that scene, like, he just takes it up until that particular moment. Yeah, remember he, like, says, something, he says And then John Goodman's character, yeah, that's like... that stick of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Will that no. fit, fit all the way up your ass? Yeah, but there's some drink. Yeah. Ah, not me this time. That was the moment that that, that was the last straw. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, but then he that, says that something. Didn't, that didn't. No, I'm saying. Oh, and I'm then saying, Goodman gets John into Goodman's character pauses for practicing like half a second. Santeria and, and then just yeah. goes right back. He ain't got no. He's like, got no. Like, yeah, oh, that's right. He starts threatening him with those. But, yeah, he starts threatening yeah. him with witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, actually, a, a very resonant curse because the, he he threatens him with with the the Santeria curse, but then also says that uh, you know that it might not be mysterious pain. He might just he might just ruin your life. He might just. You know, it might be subtle things. It might just be you don't know. It gives, I don't know where okay. my life has gone. I don't new know why o- things are like. When did my life turn into this pig pile of dross? New mm-hmm. overwrought theory. That's what his problem is. Like John did. Goodman put John a voodoo Goodman curse on him. Actually, voodoo curse that causes retroactively. retroactively puts him in a time loop. Well, but remember the thing where he shows up and Dylan's there on the same night. That actually yeah. happens after. Yes, it so does. I think that's what's going on. We're, I think he scared the wrong guy because he left him with a cat. cursed. Left him with a cat. Right. We're, the we're, cat the cat which later shows up in shape of water and has an unfortunate incident or right. possibly travels into space with Ripley and becomes the cat did, on the uh Did you catch the name home. of his driver? No, I didn't. What was the name of his driver? Johnny, Johnny Five. Five. No. It and was as far not. as we know, he's alive. It was totally Johnny Five. I, I even had to check the credits. That is a creative decision that really needs to be interrogated. <laughs> yeah. There's no possible way that's an accident. You'd have to have no. a short circuit to write some stuff like that. That's, that's terrible. We're getting towards the end here. Uh, does anybody else have anything they want to throw in there? But yeah, I feel like we haven't really come to grips with Lewin Davis yet. Um, we haven't really gotten inside the person of the movie. <laughs> the character. Oh, let's just say one thing about this. This this movie is this character. There's it, nothing else going on. It is a film. week in the life of the character. Is, yes. This, this movie yeah. is a, as you said, picaresque mm-hmm. about this guy's life. And it gives us a sense of time and place. It gives us a certain character. Um, Do you think there's any sort of forgiveness from Jean at the end of it? Yeah, a little bit. She lightens up on she do, it. Yeah, she, she, because she, she does go out of her... Well, and, and you find out from Pappy... The way you get on the gaslight, mm-hmm. and she does get him on the gaslight. Yeah, yeah. So is she? Yeah. Oh, you think she slept with Pappy to get him? Yeah, my read of that scene was that she had slept with Pappy very recently. Yeah, you know, until Chris brought this whole thing up, I didn't consider that it had been previous. Because there is that that loose rule that you don't get to go on the gaslight twice within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's inv- invited back. Did so... they do the snapping thing in the movie? So the re- the real gaslight had a lot of complaints from the neighbors about noise. So whenever somebody did a good job, everybody would snap as a crowd. No, they like not do that. I don't think they did that in the film, but I heard that. No. I was like, that's an interesting little oh, thing. Also, also, going back to the, the time frame thing we had earlier, you just reminded me that, yeah, uh, this whole movie takes place not even over a couple weeks. Over Yeah, it's like three days. Well, specifically because the movie opens with her asking for money for the abortion, and then when he comes back from Chicago, she specifically says that it hasn't happened yet. Right, she it's says, on she says, It's on yeah. Saturday. And he's, right. like, and he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, a lot a lot can happen, but I guess it's really only been a couple days. 
So yeah, yeah. So this is like three days in his life, place maybe. over a week, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of nights that we see, a couple yeah. of places where he sleeps. Yeah. We see him. I guess we see him sleep more than we see days pass. I guess that's right. ambiguous. Right. And, 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 and we see him go back to the Grollerfinkels and spend a night there, and the cat yeah. comes back. He stays over to the very next day. He's in Chicago. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, Grollerfinkels in Chicago. So the cat didn't come back the very next day, I guess. Right. No. It it could actually stay away. Thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. No, no, no. He just couldn't stay away. Fantastic voyage. So, Joe, did you have a big surprise? Incredible journey. Fantastic voyage would be if the cat got really small into somebody's body. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Went inside Lewin Davis? Yeah. All right. So, I think we have, I yeah. think that's the third movie, the Lewin Davis. Is, is the Fantastic voyage. Yes, inside, the cat. Yeah, yes. Inside, inside right. Lewin Davis being John Malkovich. Biggest surprise. Mine's, mine's crap, and I gave it already. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to punt on this particular part of the uh, show. I guess I guess I guess my my biggest surprise was that it was a black comedy. I guess I was expecting it to be a, a much more mm. straightforward biopic, if, you know, like at least in format. I mean, Coen Brothers, if you know, there's got to be an element of humor, right? I mean, that's just the way no, they roll. No Country for Old Men. I remember being pretty pretty. That dry. was very bleak. Yeah, you know, granted, remember, that's kind of an outlier, but I kind of want to go back and watch it. But I remember being. More entertained than I would have been if it had just been bleak all the way. I think it did have some. I mean, black Tom, humor Tommy, to Tommy Lee Jones has some good reaction shots. So your yeah. biggest surprise was oh, the yeah. black comedy. Nature of the yeah, I was expecting this to be a straightforward movie as opposed to like a black humored movie about hubris is not the word here, but I guess there's a certain there's a certain Job quality in this movie to where, where he's a little Job, where, 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 yeah, where he, he's put upon, but he creates yeah. his own problems in a way. In that, part, the whole, it, yeah, the whole yeah, point yeah. of the Job story is that he doesn't. He's perfect, and yet God curses him. Yeah. Or, oh, maybe John Goodman curses him in this. <laughs> yeah, so John Goodman might be God. John, I think we have a John new crack theory. John Goodman is God. This guy has trouble finding a job, and he's just bumming around. Is, isn't God on the nod like a famous like you know piece of beat? Well, like beat line. It certainly sounds like a little bit of Allen Ginsberg here. Yeah. Allen Ginsberg probably hung out at the uh, at the gaslight. It all right. comes together. Chris, you are recused from the conversation of whether we are toasting this classic. It is between. Joseph and I. We, we should we should let him cast his inevitable vote. No, he can give opening statements, but he gets no vote. His vote means he's like DC. He's like, he's like, you are out of order. Reserve. You are out he's of like order. He's like the Vatican. Or the he's not our, he's not the shadow senator of Lewin Davis. My, okay. my opening statement is that uh, Lewin Davis is a movie I saw when it first came out in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Uh, it caused me to think about the movie uh, consistently over the period of several weeks. Come back and revisit it every couple of years. And I feel like every time I rewatch it, I find another nuance and layer to it. Lewin is a very detailed character. Uh, his relationship with other people in the movies is informed as the movie unfolds. I think it's one of my top three Coen Brothers movies, and they're some of my favorite filmmakers in the world. So I obviously consider it a classic. Uh, but, of course, I, I defer to my companions here. Uh, spirited praise, spirited praise. Whereas I find myself having having once again cut myself on the devil-edged sword of watching the movie very close to the podcast because much like Shape of Water, you time well, to mull it over, like you said. Yeah, yeah, water, yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah, while I, while sure. that means my recall is very good, it also means I haven't really in a movie with a lot to mull over. I literally haven't had the time to mull it over. I, I'm coming from a different place. I, I saw it several weeks ago, and I didn't really find myself going back to it mentally. I didn't really find it being something that compelled me to revisit it. I suppose I will say that when I when I watched the movie, I did take it off my watch list. I remember thinking, I'm probably not going to be back to that one in a while. And while I'm not going to say that I'm reconsidering that stance, especially you know with with what Chris had to say about with his with his literary analysis of the lyrics, which I knew while watching it, I was like. I know these lyrics are probably going to be important, but I just can't 
quite seem to focus on them. So um, I also watched it with subtitles off. You know how that. we all said like Adam Driver was compelling in this. Right? Uh, well, a scene stealer. Really. He steals a scene. He's yeah. very fun to watch. Yep. My favorite Coen Brothers movies have six or seven characters like that, hmm. where the person's performance is just like I love this. Like when George mm-hmm. Clooney shows up in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, the way he talks. I literally had the sensation of being like, I want to watch this guy talk for two hours. Do I want to watch fi- this character. Do you not feel that way with Lewin himself? Not particularly. Really? I didn't hate. I didn't hate him. I, I I liked him on some level, but there's usually a verbal tick to their characters or some some texture to it that just I'm just like I I, I love this. Lewin is a something del- about this. Lewin is deliberately a difficult character to like, and, and, and again, he's he's not. It, it would be hard to call him a bad person, but he's not a great person. He's certainly it's a, crotchety. Yeah, yeah, Possibly yes. the best description of him. Crotchety, and, yeah. And I love the... Like, this was my first introduction to uh, Oscar Isaac as an actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine was X-Men Apocalypse, which did him no favors. Stole the show. I think he, he just, playing that? He plays Apocalypse. Yes. Really? He, he's under a ton of makeup in that movie. Wow. And has probably less than 15 lines. I wow. feel like he would be happy if you forgot that. You know what this reminds me of? Actually, I, I would put this out there. Lewin Davis's character reminds me of one of the characters in Vince Gilligan, his work. Like, like which one's like, just? I, the, I'm guessing you mean Breaking Bad and not the X Files. E- either Breaking Bad or um, Better Call Saul. Lewin Davis. The characters, the characters you watch them make these decisions. Clearly and you're just, flawed. And yeah. you're just like, mm-hmm. don't make that decision. Yeah. Why would you make that? But it's like that's what real yeah. people. Yeah. The, the, the party where you the know? party where he blows up. I actually put my hands over my face. I yes. Was, I was. Just feeling the cringe is so acute. There. Where he like, does it, what? What happened? Where, where he blows up at the party. The Glorfinkel's party. The Glorfinkel's oh, yeah. I will tell you, it yeah. is so much yes. more painful mm-hmm. when you actually know his partner has died yeah. and she yeah. starts singing his lyric. Yeah, that's but yeah, then that's it's painful yeah, a different that, way. Yeah, then you're, yeah, you're experiencing yeah, his yeah, pain. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a completely yeah. different read on the scene that I was ignorant of. Mm-hmm. So, yes. This is kind of tough. I'm actually having trouble with my vote. Yeah, I... I, I feel like I would be disrespectful. This is not I, one of my way, favorite this, Coen, this is not one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, and a couple of their movies are like in my top ten, fifteen movies. Like I, I mean, I love them. So that's I, not yeah. so saying this is not my favorite Coen Brothers movie is not saying yeah. I don't like the movie. Yeah, that, but, that, that, yeah, that, that is certainly like not the the, the harshest condemnation no, we could make of a it's movie. Not. I because like, it's not my yeah. least favorite. I didn't like the one with Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, the man who wasn't there. I yeah, think it was called. I saw that and I yeah, just I didn't really connect. We're here. I thought you were thinking it goes black and white. Yeah. Yeah. So I, actually, I was going to say Sling Blade for a minute, but then I realized, no, Billy Bob. Oh, no, Sling Blade. Sling Blade. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, but that's not <laughs> that actually movie Cohen. was terrific. Yeah, but that's but not a Coen Brothers movie. No, that's not a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have anything against Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. General, not a Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe, do you want to give opening statements or do you want to just give a vote? I, I'm, I'm really having a tough time. We're assuming I, Chris is a vote. Cr- cr- so we got yeah, one yeah. in favor. Yeah. I feel like I would be disrespecting the movie if I said no. And since my only options are no and yes, I guess I'm going to say yes. But it's not just a question of whether, is this a good movie? Do you like this movie? Mm. Is this a classic film? If you wanted to go to somebody and explain to them, oh, the Coen brothers are great, I'm going to play you a Coen brothers movie. How many movies would you have to play before you'd get to this one? Because the Coen brothers do have a varied enough oof, if I, if I may. They do. That it would kind of depend on like what you're trying to show that person. Like True. I, I think like choosing to show them the Hudsucker proxy would say oh. a, would say a very different thing about the Coen. I brothers would not choose the Hudsucker Proxy. Then, if you showed them like you know, Blood Simple. Hudsucker Proxy though is a good example of what I'm talking about. There's usually these verbal ticks, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of scenes in there where Tim Robbins is like talking, and he's like, 
it's it's a hoop, you know, yeah. for, kids. for kids. And like yeah. they keep saying that phrase, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. what I love about their movies is those kind of phrasings that keep coming up. Mm. It's almost like a bardic like repetition mm-hmm. of something, and every the third or fourth time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I, this I like this, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, pick yeah. up on the language. Yeah, the, mo- the mean, movie like, in this is more is very naturalistic outside of like John Goodman's amazing he's ranting. Great. John Goodman uh, is a great and and um, he's a fun and, character uh, and stuck out uh, to me. Like yeah, I remember and him. and and the King Midas is idiot brother line. That kid, the I girl would, annoyed me so much. I was having trouble with that. She was, her being so sanctimonious. So, the, so the, yeah, so I, we I didn't really, we didn't actually as, didn't really talk about this, and it's kind of important. But uh-huh. she's so sanctimonious about having gotten knocked up by mm-hmm. him. What a jerk he is! And I'm, and he says it takes two to tango. Yeah. He finally defends himself a little bit. So, so this is a really, really scene, and I feel like that is kind of Lewin Davis in a nutshell in, in terms Same of the thing viewers, he does with John Goodman he finally the, defends himself yeah. well you know? even more so because because well the thing is the abuse from John Goodman is clearly completely undeserved whereas quick overwrought theory for a second please the thing that sets him off with John Goodman is somebody says something bad about his partner yes the thing that sets him off with her mm-hmm. is she says this and he says it takes it's two to tango mm-hmm. and the whole point of the thing is that he's no good without the other guy he's supposed to tango with mm-hmm. The whole mm. movie is about he lost his partner. That's mm. a pretty good little rhyme. As, that is, is, that, like, is that back to your queer? Is that like that's my possible over, queer? That's probably my over. Is that the queer reading? As I think I it said, it could at the be, top, but no. I, I, he's I don't. In the think last it. two stages of grief over the death of his partner. Right. Yeah. That scene is kind. Of, that scene is in some way, or in some ways, the, the the movie in a microcosm because in that it is, it isn't hard to sympathize with Lewin because it's a scene where he's, get, where he's just getting dressed down and just mostly just really taking it um, from someone who's coming off kind of unsympathetically even though she has a valid reason to, to be angry. But at the same but time... But does she? She was she, there too. She's, she's, she's not, bl- she's not blameless. She, she has a good reason to be angry. Maybe not to be angry at Lewin right. specifically, she but she has a good reason to be upset. Yes, definitely. But he yeah. isn't particularly... But, well, but, but, well, but at the same time, it's not wrong for Lewin to like be made to feel bad about like betraying his one friend by sleeping with another. Yes, but it should be the friend dressing him down, not the wife that's sleeping with I multiple different people. I could see it either way, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so yeah, so my point is that like that's a scene where where there are Justin reasons. Timberlake's character is entirely put upon. Yeah. He seems like a good guy. And he seems like he's helping his buddy yep. and it's just yes. I yeah. don't see him having a lot of flaws and, except and being kind of square. And probably the best person in the movie. Yes, I think so. That's, well, no, yeah. the other folk singer, the nerdy country folk singer seems comes across as I being I think Timberlake is as good if not better. He maybe, gets him yeah. the job, yeah. he puts him up at yeah, least twice. Yeah, he's a good friend. No, yeah. I think he's I think he's I feel I, I I feel like you could also make a really good reading on like that guy whose name a completely blank now. Yeah, like the as, as kind the of country like, dude. Yeah, the country yeah. dude is like as as like the as like the mirror universe version of Lewin, where he's in the yeah. army. Lewin was a Lewin was a seaman. Al Jolson, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yes, thank you. Um, you know, the, yeah, that guy's career is going <laughs> up. Lewis's career is going down. I, I feel like there's probably a, a, a reading to be made focusing on the contrast of those two. Characters. I think so. And also, even though that, even though that dude appears, and also in the movie you for like five minutes when he goes to see F. Murray Abraham, he makes a yes, comment on yeah, how that dark guy, he is. Yeah. Yes. He makes a comment on, yeah. like, try not to look so dark. Try to stay out of the sun, he tells him. He yeah, says, if, if yeah, that was If you shave down to a goatee and yeah, stay out of the, the sun. sun. Because he's but trying the, well, to... But then he also says about the other guy specifically, he connects with people. Right. But it's because he's just like a white dude. White. Or not, white's the wrong word for it, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a, Circling back to what you said word? as, as repetition in Coen Brothers movies, mm-hmm. I believe the repetition here comes lyrically. Okay. Because they played Dink's song they at do. least three times. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Dink's song being Dink is the. If I had wings, I know I would. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do they play it over the credits? It gets played tw- at least it gets played it, at least it's twice during the movie. Three songs proper. in the movie. It's played first, I believe, with the mic backup lyrics, mm-hmm. and then he sings it a cappella, and she joins in yeah. and it breaks down, and then he mm-hmm. sings it on the stage at the end. Yeah. So what I'm coming down to is that mm-hmm. Chris's opinion is something I respect, mm-hmm. and the things he's saying about this film, having seen it a whole bunch of times, is making me think this movie was better than I thought it was mm-hmm. on watching it. You know, like I watched it, I liked it fine. Like it was, it was good, but I didn't see the rich undertones and stuff that you're talking about. I, you know, a hundred percent. It wasn't my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Maybe just to make things interesting, I think I'll vote against. Hmm. I don't know if I, that really expresses my heartfelt feeling about this movie. Yeah, you're, you're really, yeah, you're, you're really playing devil's advocate here. A little bit, a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the ball in your court. This is up to you. This is one to one. You're the tiebreaker vote on this. Is this one going down in the canon of? Folk singer biopic. Well, since fictional. I well, well, since you were denying me symmetry by there not being an absent option, my opinion is closer to classic than not classic. Okay, so this, this is, is a this near is run the, thing. This is a close. Uh, this one's close. Th- yeah, this one is definitely close. It's I, one to th- one, and you're giving like a point three in favor. So. It's skin of it's, the teeth. It's no human teeth. I, I, I feel. I feel like it, yeah, it, 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 it is. It is a movie that is demanding. You brush them, yeah. I don't. It is a movie that is a little demanding of the viewer in terms of like how willing you are to um, sympathize with slash indulge the main character. That's certainly accurate. And how much you are willing to closely read the movie. Like again, I knew watch this. I knew that like I was going to be doing my disser- myself a disservice not like closely reading the lyrics. But I just could. I, yeah. I, I really didn't want to put the subtitles on just for the lyrics. I felt like taking notes during this movie helped me appreciate it more. Honestly. Oh, that's true with everything I've ever done on this show on toasting the classics really? in general. Watching and reading things with a mind towards talking about it later mm-hmm. just express you just you, you you engage with things. Like, All right, so we have. A vote of 1.3, 4, and 1 against. And I think that means that we are initiating this into the Toast in the Classics canon. Everybody should put their glasses up. Let's have a toast to Inside Lewin Davis. I think we're done for the week, guys. I think we're ready to close this one up. Are we going to be doing anything anytime soon? Anything else? We haven't talked about anything, so we'll talk about yeah. it off I think mic. Joe's the next pick, right? Joe? Joe's Ooh, like, oh, I didn't know we were dude, doing that. I don't is... think I've actually just picked anything the three of us have done. Well, I mean, you do all the time. Okay, that's true. <laughs> wow. So for now, I think we're going to sign off for Toasting the Classics for the week. This is... Chris Gregg. Joe Glazers. And Dave MacArthur Joseph. saying, thanks for sitting around with us and having some drinks, guys. We had a good time. Peace out. Skull. That's it for episode 60 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, stay tuned to find out what we'll be drinking next time when we discuss the landmark graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know your top three Coen Brothers movies. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics. Bad wings. There's always something with Chris singing that I have to cut at the end of the show. (laughs)